0: Now back to riffing with Raph and AD on 93.7 The Ticket
1: and theticketfm.com. All
0: right, we're back again. Wednesday night, quickest two hours of the week. riffing with Raf and AD. We're here with our special guest, Eric Strickland,
1: the man, the myth, the legend. So, Eric, I hear in your voice when you talk about Nebraska basketball. Let's
0: just say hypothetically. Maybe Coach Hoiberg
1: has a position open on his staff. He gives Mr. Strickland a call, and he says, Eric, we'd love to have you come back and maybe help out the Nebraska basketball program. Is there any possibility? Is that something that you'd be interested in? I have an affinity, and I have a love for the program. If if um, Fred called me, I would definitely be interested because, you know, it, this this interest extends beyond you know, the Hoiberg regime, it's, it's gone, it's gone back to miles. It's gone back to, um, you know, even Sadler. I I basically, I think I I had, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna blow it up online because it might make some people mad, but I had some players that have become pros that I was literally mentoring at the time. I was actually – I had been coaching in in Nebraska back from my alma mater at Bellevue West. Went on to coaching college down there at a Division II in New Mexico Highlands. Um, I've coached a lot of Division I guys that kind of transferred down to us. And I basically told them, I said, listen, for what you're paying those guys, I would do it for half. Mm -hmm. And and that's because that's how much I loved it. You know what I mean? That's how much I wanted to see success. I would do it for half of what you paying them. Hmm. It ain't even, wasn't even about the money. It was about, um, you know, and, and I think what they, what they didn't see and what they didn't understand is that yes. Okay. I wasn't connected to California and you know, you, I, Oh, I know everybody in Florida, you know, the, everybody comes in and sells a dream, but I was watching some of the people that they were bringing in and I was like, well, if you want somebody from Chicago, I can get to I can get to anybody out of there. One call from to Michael Finley. Hmm. If you want somebody down south in the Louisiana area, I can get to anybody, any coach with a warm welcome. Not no recruiting guy to where you got to still go in and do the work. I'm saying a warm welcome. I call Robert Pack. You want to get some in, in, you know, I can just start running. You want somebody out in Phoenix or in LA? One call to Cedric Zabales. I got you. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Hey, man, say it. Say, tell me, yes. So I'm I'm like, I'm I'm, you know, six degree separation from anybody that you want anywhere in the country. Mm -hmm. Right. Now I have a company that can find anybody that you're trying to find Mm -hmm. (laughs) with Cerebro Sports Mm -hmm. out there and still go out there and and get it. You know, so um Mm -hmm. I I used to say I used to tell I used to tell people about Doc. I'd say, look, I love Doc. I think Doc is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. I'd say, Doc, you need somebody. Not I'm not saying it's me, but you need somebody like me. Because can you imagine? Let's just be honest. Can you imagine Doc Sadler going coming into your you're you're a basketball player you're an athlete your 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 dreams is to go to the nba and you and doc sadler comes in there and sits down with you and like yeah i'm the coach that's going to help your son to get there mm-hmm. nothing against doc right. great coach mm-hmm. but let's go, let's be real there's there's sometimes perceptions that come with that right mm-hmm. now imagine somebody like me going in there and having that same conversation with doc you see what yeah. i'm saying now there's a now there's a different perception on that. Mm-hmm. Not to say that I could still land the guy, mm-hmm. but there's a different perception on, you know what? I've actually talked to, just recently, I've actually talked to kids that are highly sought after, state champs, pulled out of their their recruiting, and now opened it back up. And I, I listen, I'm talking to their moms. Mm-hmm. Their moms are like, the moms are like, you I said, and look, I just threw it out there. I, I'm not saying this. This was in motion. I'm just threw it out there. I said, hey, listen, if I was to go back and coach in Nebraska, you know, would you send? Would you send your son to me? What? <laughs> Call me. <laughs> Those are the types of conversations that I've I've been having, and I'm just throwing it out there. I'm, I'm I, I didn't, you know, Fred hasn't said anything to me. I'm just, just because I love Nebraska, and I'll turn it over. You know, I'm right. like. Yo, if you want this kid, you know, here, here he is. That's, that's how I was doing it. I'm trying to get leets in there to get wins. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's, that's the way I'm thinking. man. That's the way I've always been thinking. But I'm telling you, I had pros in my pocket, knew the mom, went to high school with her, talking to the dad. He goes and helps uh, one of the kids goes and helps them go to this, uh, almost to the elite eight, you know, to another team in the transfer method. Then another one is become both of them are pros, hmm. but they go somewhere else.
0: Strick, you 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 think about what you just saying, and it's about recruiting. I mean, recruiting is the name of the game. I mean, it's about recruiting and it's about relationships to get those Facts. recruits. You look at recruiting right now in Nebraska, as far as Nebraska basketball. Their last four games was their last four games: Penn State, Wisconsin, Ohio State. Those last three, then, all right. That was a glimpse of what could have been
1: Facts.
0: from this past season. What do you think we're missing? Raph, do you want to add something onto to that?
1: No, I'm good with that question.
0: Yeah, what what are we, what are we missing? I mean, because we've seen, we've seen what the potential is, but me and you both know potential doesn't mean anything if it's not exercised. Facts. You know, Facts. so potential is like a Ferrari sitting in the garage, but you don't drive it. You know, yeah. it, does, does, yeah. it does nothing. What is the missing right. pieces that we see right now? We saw a glimpse – now, like I said, we want to respect your time, but finish us off with that for maybe a few, a few no, minutes. What are, you guys are okay. good.
1: I, I have about, uh, you know, I, have a, I, I left myself some room. So, okay. Um, what are we missing? Why, 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 haven't we, why didn't we see that type
0: of play the entire season? Not saying you're going to win all the games. Not saying you're going to win 80%, 70%, 60%, but at least competitive in some of those games, the teams that we lost to that had no business even being on the court in Nebraska with the talent that we had on that roster.
1: What are some was, of the missing cogs you see? I was seeing a lot of, I was seeing a lot of fundamental things that, um, that weren't being corrected. Hmm. So, so here's, here's the dynamic you have. Okay. Well, here's the, here's the, this is just my perception. I, you know, this is just me on the outside looking in on and in, in, in speculating based on, you know, theorizing basically based on what I'm seeing. Okay they've had a structure in the way that they do things. Fred, it's tough for him because he has to look big picture. He can't get into the microcosms of of different things um, um, on the everyday aspects, because he's got to look at so much, a broad scale of stuff as a head coach, right? Mm -hmm. So you're hoping your assistants can be able to help you in these specific areas of of, of what they are able to see and, and, and perceive. Not saying they didn't do this, but the problem I see for it, that they didn't get buy-in. There wasn't buy-in hmm. for some reason. Hmm. Um, it was taught. You can tell it was taught. And I know Fred. Fred is very, very fundamental in the way that he, he played the game and likes to, to do things. So I know it's taught. But for whatever reason, there were only spurts of it. There was never a full game. It was only 22 minutes. 25 minutes, it was never a 40 game set or segment to where they, they play. And then ones that they did, they won. Mm -hmm. Right. So it was buy-in for me. It was, it was fundamental things on penetrations. It was fundamental things on driving kicks. It was, it was fundamental things on over, over penetration. It was little stuff that me as a player, you know, at the next level could have, you know, told them, hey, you need to make an adjustment, set them down on film, um, not rebounding, not playing defense, playing defense, but not securing the the rebound, making certain plays on the fast break, shrinking the floor, you know, just little things that I could have, I, I saw just from watching on my side that I didn't see get corrected. Mm-hmm. It got corrected late, but it was too late. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So what it seemed to me is what was happening was you have a lot of, and this sometimes to me can be the detriment of AAU ball, right? Mm. It's throw it up and play. And so what ends up happening is when things get tight, when you need to you know, make a right play, make the two two extra passes to get the best one, to make a drive as opposed to shooting a, a, a challenged one. You know, it's just different things like that. When it gets tight, a lot of people revert back to their what they're, what they're familiar and what they're comfortable with. And so that's what I was seeing was happening. When the game would get tight, there would be a reverting mm. back to whatever, yeah. their, whatever their familiarity was. Just, I gotta take over, I gotta do it. Whatever that is that they used to do at the high school level, the AAU level, that's what I started seeing happening. And it was a detriment to them because it was causing them to lose games.
0: You know, here going to ask you one, but, you know, it, it thinks about when you mentioned when things get tight and we, we see this in, you know, not only in sports, you see it in, you know, military talks about it. When tight situations, people revert back to their level of training or their level yeah. of comfort, even if that's detrimental to the overall outcome. You know, so yeah. in, in, in a Nebraska situation, basketball-wise, there was a lot of times that we would see them in tight situations they would revert back to being careless with the basketball yeah they didn't value possessions in the most critical times of the games and it would cost us you or know, trust us or, or tru- trust. exactly or trust or trust mm-hmm. and those things we revert back to the level of, of training or the uh, or the level of comfortability we have and that costs us in so many games And the games that we flourished I mean, Penn State when they play Penn State, I'm like, who is this? Who jumped on their bodies? You know, mm-hmm. against Wisconsin, against Ohio State, I'm like, this is not the same team that we've been watching because collectively they played yeah. a great stretch. It was just too mm-hmm. late, which made it even more frustrating. It's like, where's this team been the past three months? You know? Yeah. But it was good to see that at least to go out showing what was what was possible, but it also left a bad taste in your mouth, knowing this team could have been doing that uh, the entire mm-hmm. year that was going in. True. Street. Um, let me ask you this, man. I'll let Raf go the next one before we close out with this one here. What city did you play your first NBA game, and what was the emotion when you came on the court? Because a lot of people, they see the, the 10-year career that you had with various teams, and um, um, you, you played multiple positions. You usually get the toughest guy, even played against forwards, et cetera. But when you went on that, field, on that court, and the, uh, the, the first team, I think it was the Mavericks, took a chance on you, Mm-hmm. And you went out there, and all you took a chance. You flourished. You proved a lot of doubters wrong. Mm-hmm. How did that? When you first went on the court in that NBA jersey in that arena, what were the emotions going through? And part B of that is when did you feel, when did you feel like
1: I can play a long time in this league? Um, I'm not going to say exhibition season, right? Because right. I mean, like I the first real a game. So yeah, I, when I really okay. So what had happened was I had got. Um, and it's a business decision. The Mavericks, they if they would have kept me past a certain deadline uh, just after the new year, they would have had to guarantee my contract for the full year. Right? Mm-hmm. So they decided to release me. And OK, so I get sent back to the CBA. I go to Oklahoma City. Um, I'm not playing. They basically had their guys. They were comfortable with their guys. And, and and that didn't settle with me because I went to the coach and I said, listen, coach, um, I understand you've got your guys. I'm not trying to usurp your system or anything, but I'm not a career CBA guy and I don't plan on staying here. Yeah. So you, you, you have to either trade me or we have to figure something out. So he decides to trade me. So they trade me over to um, I'm actually still talk to him every now and then now, Coach Bergman. And there was no, no detriment to him. I understood the situation. Actually, Ryan Miner was on that team, too, uh, from Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so he trades me to Quad Cities. I go over to Quad City, and I'm the backup. So I'm not even starting. I'm the backup to Jalen Brunson's dad, Rick Brunson. Hmm. Um, so he's a starter. He played at Temple. He played with Eddie, Eddie, Eddie Jones and that whole crew at Temple. And... Um, all of a sudden, I start going off. I was there probably a little over a month, maybe a little over a month and a few weeks. I was in the CBA, so to speak. So I was probably there just under a month. I'm I'm starting to go nuts off the bench. I'm talking about averaging 20. I was getting 20, 25, you know, 28, and then shutting guys down and still going nuts. And then I played a game up in Grand Rapids, and I had 40. Mm. that night i got a call from the mavericks coach called me in he was like hey i thought i was in trouble i was like man is everything okay you know he could you know that's that's you know he called you into the office they you know there's a discussion we made and he says no he says no no everything's okay you you need to pack you're getting on a plane i was like am i being traded like he's he's like no you're going to meet the mavericks up in vancouver Um, Mm. they're calling you back up i said wow I said, cool. So all I had was what I was traveling with for this little road trip that we had and literally went straight to the airport. They they worked out a passport so quick. I didn't even have a passport. They worked it out with the Mavericks, got all my information, boom, had me a passport. I was on my way. So this is when the Mavericks made the biggest trade at the time in NBA history. They had traded, dang, everybody. It was an eight-person, eight, eight three-team trade that's when they brought over Michael Finley, Steve Nash, mm-hmm. um, Sean Bradley, A.C. Green, just all of them started coming. And I went back, and so this is when I said, A.D., this is it. Mm. I said, they've got to play me. This is this is where the, the door for me, the door was cracked, mm. and you get a peek inside, and I said, I'm kicking this door in. Like, I'm not <laughs> letting you shut this door on me. Because you got to play me. We was only seven guys. We only had seven guys. So I go up to Vancouver. I think I had like 15, had a solid game. The next game we play in Sacramento. Get on the plane, go to Sacramento. We play, um, that that team had like Mitch Richmond in, in that whole crew. He was an all-star. The rifleman. He, he was my assignment. I held Mitch Richmond an all-star to 21 points and I had 25. mm I never came off the floor. That's when I knew at that point I can play. And one of the greatest moments is when I gave Gary Payton 30. Mm. As a young rookie. The glove. <laughs> who, 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 won, who won what Marcus Smart just won. The only other point guard to do that. Mm. And to, to have done that with him running his mouth <laughs> was, was, was a tremendous thing for me. Um, and that's when I knew I was there. The another other part, there was other two parts that I knew I would arrived was when Derek Harper, who was a longtime vet, one of the top park point guards when he was in there, mm-hmm. played in New York. Great. When they, we were playing together and he was like, effing shoot the ball, streak! we need you to score. <laughs> Word? Okay. So I started getting my bag. That's when, you know, a, a vet like that basically gives you the, the you know, hands it over to you and says, we need you to get busy. Stop, you know, deferring. Mm-hmm. That was one. And then the last one was when Charles Barkley, we played Houston, and we, we we had beat Houston down there. I think we either beat them or we just lost. It was a close game, but I had a, had a good game against Houston. When that Charles Barkley, Drexler, Olajuwon, and Scottie Pippen, they had that, that squad. Mm-hmm. And Charles caught me in. And, and so, you know, I looked up to Charles. He's an Alabama boy, mm-hmm. right? Auburn. That's where I was born. I was born like Opelika Auburn, like right there. So I knew Charles Barkley. And when he said to me, he was like, hey, young fella, I like what you're doing out there, man. You keep up the good work. Mm-hmm. I said, dang. Those are the <laughs> moments when I knew um I had arrived and then then when Michael Jordan we're playing in like an all-star type of game for Michael Jordan's event it was like in Texas and Michael Michael said I want Strick on my team mm. those moments are the ones where yeah. you like you know what you belong That's awesome I love it I love it Strick
0: <laughs> that was a quick hour right there brother
1: yes, it was. man it went quick I enjoyed yes, it though was. man yes, hey, Listen, I enjoyed it we had to do it again like uh, during football season Definitely,
0: Strick we're going to definitely do it again man we thank you for the wisdom we thank you for the insight and I'm I'll also just letting a lot of the fans know some insight that they didn't know because the next time we have you on we're going to dig more on that NIL and how you, being a player that had six figures already coming in, can relate to today's player here, twenty-five nice. years later. So that's something yeah, yeah. we definitely want to talk about in the future. Strickman, man, thank you for taking the time, brother. Appreciate you, love you, bro, and can't wait. And I'm always and folks, uh, definitely tune in every Monday, th- uh, Monday through Friday wow. for Stricken ba- uh, Strickenbach on the block from three to six p.m. Four to six. to six. Four to six. Come on, my, my time zones are all messed up. Four to six. All right. You will not you be this so much, man. Oh, bro, I don't know what time, time zone it is. Strick, <laughs> 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 appreciate you, man. Love you, bro. Thank yeah, you for man. joining us. Hey, man. I'll be in town soon. You know, you know what we do. You know we're we gonna meet up at, <laughs> bro. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Love. See you, brother. Love, right, brother. Bro. Appreciate good. you, man.
0: And we will throw it to break.